Hello, my friends. Today, I want to take the time to welcome two new team members to the Modern CTO and Leaderbits.io family. Joining us on the team this week are Andrew and Alex. Andrew is a recent graduate of MTSU with a degree in media and entertainment. He is eager to grow and learn, and we're really glad to have him on the team. Welcome, Andrew. Alex's story is one that will inspire you to do everything that you can to be your best self. Last year, Alex and his family were living in Russia, not knowing a word of English, when they got the call telling them that they had won the green card lottery for the United States. They immediately packed their bags and moved halfway across the world to start a new life in Connecticut. Alex saw on Indeed that we were looking for a full-time videographer. He asked, why were we hiring a full-time videographer? And I explained that I wanted the highest quality leader bit challenges possible. I told him how we helped technologists on their path to leadership. And after hearing my pitch, his only question was, when can he start? He's currently on his way down to Florida to join our team, and I couldn't be more excited to have him. Welcome, Alex. A few takeaways from these new hires and this growth here at LeaderBits. The first is that when we find A players, grab them up. A players who believe in what you're doing and are willing to put in the work will help your business grow and scale. That's what we're looking for. When I interviewed these two individuals, I knew they were A players and I grabbed them up right away. The second lesson is to follow your dreams when opportunity presents itself. You have to strike while the iron is hot to get to where you want to be. Maybe you're sitting there listening and telling yourself that you want more for your career, but you aren't sure where to start. You can start by taking this moment as an opportunity to learn from the greatest technology leaders on earth. Head over to leaderbits.io. When it comes to leadership, remember, take action, not classes. I want to give a special shout out to a few people who are growing and improving with Leaderbits. We've got Michael Greenspan at Enthusiast Gaming, Peter Mornfield at Tax Slayer, and Powell out in Poland. So pay attention to these people and these companies as they are intentionally stepping up their leadership skills within technology. If you want the results they're getting, sign up for a free trial at leaderbits.io. Now, get ready for an awesome podcast because today we are talking to Jenis, the CTO of ClickBooth, and we discuss creating an ecosystem to promote growth, challenges many companies are facing with the implementation of GDPR, and the reasons why he believes we are still a ways off from self-driving cars and artificial intelligence. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. separate yes yeah. yes now they're separate and now uh, clickboot is the parent company now it has its own subsidiaries um, from the acquisitions nice. that we did um, in 2000 in last year we did two acquisitions we, we purchased a, a mobile network and a tracking platform really yep and that was really exciting for us that that's actually <laughs> part most of what takes my time lately it's just managing all that scale that comes with those platforms because we want to integrate them all in the same platform that we have. Mm -hmm. And we have this proprietary base platform, something that we coded from the scratch, really, really. What happened with the developers? Did you pull them in? Were they acquisition hires of the companies were you acquired? Uh, yes, on some. Yeah, so basically we pulled them all in and some of them were short term. Um, so their contract just expired. Um, and those that were on long term, we kept them. Okay. So, That's pretty cool. So you got some great team members from it. Yes. So we actually have developers in Denver and in Bosnia. Very cool. And then do you have a physical location or they work from home? We have an office with, with lots of people in Denver. Really? Yes. yes. That's exciting. Yeah. Mo it's mostly uh, account managers, business, but we have some developers there as well. And then yeah. you're headed to Bosnia tonight? I'm headed at my flight is at 8 p.m. tonight, which is in six, seven hours. Um, to visit my office in Bosnia, which is where all of our developers are. That's me. How long have you been here? Six months now. Six months? So yeah. you came from Bosnia here? I came, I moved last year yeah. here to Florida. As a CTO? As a CTO of ClickBoot. And uh, before that, I was working as a CTO of ClickBoot just from Bosnia. Just okay. From so, so you've been with the company for a while? For a little bit more than three years. Yeah. And then when we met at your office, well, like a month or month or so ago, mm -hmm. you told me that you flipped on a podcast in December, 
Well, you had a commute because you didn't have a commute before and you found Right, yeah. So in Bosnia, I live in a small town. Uh, it's very city-like. Mm -hmm. So basically, you can walk from one side to the other in maybe half an hour. So even if I drive a car, it takes me maximum 10 minutes to get to the office. And so there's no, like, it just goes on very quickly. Here, my podcast, my, <laughs> my commute is 20 minutes or something like that. So then I said, okay, what do I do with this 20 minutes? And after, like... Two weeks, like listening to music, like started to be boring. <laughs> so then I was looking at podcasts. Let's see, uh, what, how can I improve myself, my knowledge? How yeah. can I continue educating this in these 40 minutes per day that I waste normally? So that's why I, how I found your podcast. That's exciting. I was looking at all the podcasts for CTOs, for um, anyone that's interesting in technology uh, and project management also. Um, that what interest. other good ones did you find? You uh, can say none. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of the best ones. Yes. Yeah, mostly because uh, of Jake's editing. He does a fantastic job editing. Well, th that's, that's actually very true because the sound quality of this podcast is probably the best out of every, everyone because all the others are usually they're, uh, they call by phone and then the sound is dropping off or on and there's definitely no intro music or anything like that. So it looks very much like just someone recorded a phone conversation yeah. without any editing. So even that they have good guests, it kind of ruins the whole experience. What is ClickBooth? Like, what do they do? ClickBooth is a performance marketplace. Okay. So what does that mean? It's, it's really, it, it allows advertisers to pay for actual sales for leads instead of paying for clicks and, and clicks and impressions. So basically they can, it, it kind of helps, it definitely helps advertisers so they don't have to think about placement on where, on the conversion rates. Um, and then it just allows them to focus on sales. So let's say that you're selling a product and you want to pay this much uh, money for each sale and then you don't have to care about a lot of the marketing that goes behind it so that all of that burden is now pushed to, to us also and to the affiliates who provide the traffic because we are the ones that actually optimize that traffic that say okay traffic from this source should actually go to this advertiser and try to make the value highest for the advertiser and in your space I believe I saw it on your website that you are like, you dominate your space. You guys are like we the are company. Number, we are number one for the second year in a row. And you're growing? And we're growing. We are investing heavily this year in, in growth in both technology side and also on the business side and marketing and sales. Bosnia, Sarasota, Colorado, Denver. No, okay. Denver, Colorado. And then are you in New York at all? Or? No. No? No. Maybe some investors are in New York though, right? Yes. Uh, so we are uh, owned by venture capitalists okay. who are in New York. So we go there often for meetings. Oh, very nice people, I'm assuming. Awesome. Best people ever. So what are the struggles that you've faced as a CTO to give value to the other CTOs? Maybe some mistakes that you've made? Like what's on your mind? What would you tell another CTO that's younger than you to look out for? So I, as a CTO, so I was a developer mm -hmm. and most CTOs, I think, were used to be developers. And the biggest mindset change here is that you need to start about thinking about business. So basically, I, I try to call my role as solving business issues through technology. Yes. So while on developers, they only worry about um, code optimizations and stability, and which is great, which is awesome. You can't live without those. But there's the other side of it. So as a CTO, you need to be the one to communicate clearly between both sides and basically balance both business and technology. That's a great description of the role. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I was having dinner with some friends. I know, surprisingly, like I had a, I had a friend this past week. <laughs> I usually just do work stuff, but I uh, had some uh, one of my friends from Germany, mm -hmm. and her husband was telling me about this these little these little uh, microorganisms called mycelium. Uh -huh. And what they do is they exchange information and basically broker nutrients in the soil through the plant. So if a tree needs a certain nutrient, it'll go down in the soil and actually broker the transaction and communicate the information. And the way he was explaining it to me, I was like, wow, that's a lot of what CTO kind of does in technology. We take information and broker between the teams that need it built and the market that yes. needs the solution. 
Yeah, the business yeah. sometimes doesn't understand all the risk that technology does, and they don't really speak the same language. Yeah. So the CTO is the one that sits in between and makes sure that everyone is on the same page. So I saw that you're writing for Forbes Technology. Yeah, yeah. so in last year and this year I started writing uh, on, for Forbes. I'm publishing some of my articles. Uh, the last one was about GDPR. Really? Yes. That seems to be a hot topic lately. What did you, t is it out, did it get published or is it in the pending queue? It's, it got published, I think, two weeks ago. Okay, Tell, give me the overview. What should I be concerned about for GDPR? So GDPR, so the biggest thing it changes is that you are not, as a business, you are not the owner of the data. The owner of the data is actually the people. So if you, as a visitor, go to a website and you, of course, you leave your track, like uh, your IP address, your user agent, and your first name, last name, all the information that you give to that site, you actually own that data. And having said that, you can also say, I don't want to give that data to you anymore. I, I revoke your right to use my data. So you can control what, are you, what is that business doing with your data. So that's from one side. The other very interesting side is that this applies, so GDPR is a law in EU, okay. but it applies to everyone, wherever they are in the world, as long as, they, uh, as, as long as they have consumers or users from EU. So it applies to all US companies that have traffic visitors from EU, and it applies to any personal information they have. So the trick here is that now personal information is classified as the IP address. Really? Yes. So it's not just first name, last name, and their social security number. Now is the anything, any information that can identify the user. So even if you get a user that comes to your website and you, uh, you create a unique session ID, because that's unique to that user, that's personal data. And then the idea is that you should have the owner of the personal data should have the right to delete the personal data. And they should give you consent to use that data. So the company, my inbox has been flooded. I've had to create Gmail rules. I said, if it mentions the word GDPR, go into this folder and skip the inbox. Yeah, everyone is updating their privacy policies about yeah. how they use the data. And some of them are actually asking you to resubscribe. So if you want to keep receiving those emails, some of them will actually ask you like, hey, click here, make sure you will stop receiving our emails if you don't confirm. Now, I'm not, I know you're not like an expert, like you don't. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, you're not like a GDPR expert or on the council or whatever it may be. But here's a question that I have about GDPR. So with photography, that used to be a huge thing with rights, right? Mm -hmm. Like being able to, like back in the 80s before we had the explosion of visual technology that we have, everyone has a camera. So the releases to have a foot, you know, photograph taken, things like that. But now there's this reasonable expectation that you'll be photographed if you're in public because of the amount of cameras. And then when you start thinking about things like the IP and their ability to delete the data, well, my question is, how do you handle the scenario of like a security camera? Like if I go and rob a jewelry store and they have my video and I say, that's my personal data because that's my picture, that's my video, I demand you delete that. How do you handle that? So there is... Um a clause for that. So it's called legitimate interest. Ooh. Um, and some interests are basically, does it outweigh, does the business, does the business interest outweigh the, uh, the loss of privacy of the user? Oh. So in this space, in this specific example, it would, it would definitely outweigh that. It would be, and you can also use for anti-fraud. So anti-fraud is definitely mentioned in GDPR as a legit interest in the company that the company can use to collect your data. But then if you collect the data for that purpose, for the anti-fraud, you can only use it for that purpose. Really? You can't collect it for, because of that and then use it for something else. And so from an enforceability standpoint, it's like impossible because if I collect for anti-fraud and then I'm using it for marketing. No, yeah. You have to ask for consent for marketing. Yeah. But yeah. there's like, it sounds nice. Right, but there's no way to enforce it. How are you going to, is it because like whistleblowers, people inside the company are gonna tell on the company, they're just relying on that? Good question, Yeah. good question. So now that on May 25th, the GDPR has, um, how do I call that, it started? Oh, started, yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, now we are all waiting on what's gonna happen next. 
Yeah. So someone is going to get punished. <laughs> <laughs> someone is going to get in that hot seat. Yeah. And uh, then we all the rest of us are going to learn from that. And we all hope we're not going to be the ones. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. It'll, it'll probably be... Well, Facebook and Google have been already sued. They have? Yes. Are on, they getting sued Friday. by the government? On Friday they've been sued? On Friday, May 25th, yes. Uh, not by government, by by some activists. Really? Yes. That makes sense, though. Yeah. So basically, they changed their privacy policies, and but this activist is saying that it's not good enough. Wow. To, and to the, imagine enterprise to turn on that dime so fast and same day. Yeah. yeah. Um, they probably had it ready before that. <laughs> what, when did so the GDPR got really big about ninety days ago in my perspective in the sense that like it's coming before that it wasn't in the mass consciousness. How long has this been coming? Uh, two years. Two years. Yeah. Yeah, so we all had plenty of time to think about it. It's just until late 2018, no one was really paying too much attention to it. That's how that's standard, though, for humans, right? Wow. <laughs> Wait until <laughs> the last moment. Yeah, when, it, when you apply pressure, things get done. Right? That's true. That's true. So you've written on that. You've written on what was the other topic that you wrote on? Because I found you through when I met you, I looked up your Forbes. And what was the one you wrote right before GDPR? Uh, so I can't remember the exact order, but um, there was one about machine learning. Machine learning? Yeah, machine learning. Yeah. Um, that's everything around us. So basically, we use machine learning in, in ClickBook. We use it mm -hmm. for programmatic decisioning on, how, on basically on matching the users with, with offers to optimize our traffic. So basically, I mentioned that what we do part of our job is to optimize traffic for advertisers to provide the highest value. So with machine learning, we use that. So then I started wondering in what other aspects of our lives can we apply machine learning and what other, what other companies are doing. And one of the basic examples is the Nest thermostat. Yeah, Nest. Smart thermostats. Yeah, so basically they, they collect your data on like when do you turn your temperature up, when do you turn it down, and then try to get a sense of that data and then predict when you're going to do that next. So if you're normally at uh, 8 a.m., you usually increase your temperature, then it's going to continue doing that for you. Yeah, and I want them to have that data because I want and them you, to know. And you give them consent to do that. Yeah, then they can, but then can they market to me based on my air preferences? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> because they know when you're in the house, Yeah. when you're working, when you're home relaxing. Yeah. If they have all of that data, uh, you'll probably have to read their privacy policy on what they, they use all that data for. I start seeing like hot cocoa ads when it's cold in my house <laughs> <laughs> or tea. So you like UI UX stuff. You're pretty big in that, right? Uh, I like to think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, the design of your systems is beautiful. So I love the you. your design team, which, oh, I love the... Uh, layout of your office it was very open and you were all structured in these sort of like pods like these five mm -hmm. little areas in a desk so yeah so can... all of our offices are actually in that so we have the huge open space mm -hmm. where everyone sits including uh, ceo of the company everyone is on the same spot um, but then we also have these small call rooms that we call yes um, call rooms and conference rooms where people go to meet uh, take a phone call so that we can keep the noise levels down and that really helps. It's, it's, it's really usually those are very busy as everyone uses them all the time. Yeah. So it was a big open space. But then on like one side were these three to five rooms like back to back to back. And they were all really cool because they were decorated a little bit differently. And they all had little yes. different purposes. Some had different seating styles. Some had whiteboard. It was really interesting. And so and then the soundproofing worked really well in the sense that when we went into that small meeting room, the, with the doors and everything, mm -hmm. it was nice and private, although it was open. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I like that style. And then I also met with one of the VPs at City yesterday up in Tampa, who's a big employer. They're moving lots of jobs, um, engineering jobs down mm -hmm. into Tampa, Florida. And he told me that their space was like that too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, the old Clipboard's office was not like that. I had many offices and I did notice that, for example, People that work together in the same team, they would actually communicate through Messenger. So really? by having everyone sit closer together, now they're actually talking to each other. And mm -hmm. that, that helps speed up things, helps with misunderstandings. And It does. Yeah. I would like to see the graph of proximity to Slack messages. 
right? <laughs> like that, you watch the Slack messages go down as you physically put people closer. Wouldn't that be a cool app to make? Yeah. There you go. You can make apps for a Slack. And that would be an interesting one to see. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and you're a serial entrepreneur. You've done many businesses. Yes. Yeah. So my first, actually, my first years of my career were uh, as a business owner. Okay. Yeah. What so, type of business? So I started with outsourcing. outsourcing. So I was living in Bosnia. It was right after the war finished. Okay. So salaries were still very low mm-hmm. and internet was uh, booming. Yes. So basically the only thing that you could do is learn. So I had a computer, my dad bought me one, and I had internet access. So then I went online and many like me doing the same, like just learning what's trending, etc. And then because of all the growth in the internet era, they were all looking for developers. So that was basically the way out. That's awesome. It, and it, so it, it worked for you. And it worked for me. It worked for many others in the in the industry. Now, Bosnia, Serbia, Croatia, all of those countries have big tech centers. That's amazing. And then also there's this company called Andela who's working a lot with Africa. And they're building apparently these centers and teaching people. But this, I had a couple of their customers on the show, Andela's customers. Mm-hmm. And basically American companies that are using their talent that are coming out. But they said in these countries, they're seeing this as sort of like the revolution of technology and the sentiment's very positive. Everyone's really happy to be working because they're coming online for the first times and they're learning these skills. So when they have that passion and that motivation, it's like never underestimate a country's revival or them coming online because they can become a real power. Yes. And so the thing is about the industry was specific is you don't have to have lots of infrastructure. So you don't have to build roads, you don't have to invest a lot, you only need uh, optical cable and internet. Yeah. And that's it. And then give the people the right to use your computers. Yeah. And even even if they don't have that in school, there's so much content online where yep. you can learn and you can grow yourself. So the fact that you don't have that subject in school is definitely not a blocker. Yeah, and then you see Facebook doing things like creating those autonomous sort of satellites that are hovering that are providing streaming internet down. And then you got Musk and them doing the constellation. So you're going to get the 5G coming from the micro satellites. Yes. So they're just trying to push faster internet to those locations. Because I remember when it started in Bosnia, you had dial up, you had very slow internet speeds. It was only, I can't remember which year, but until I actually remember when we received the first 155 megabits cable that ran into our city. That's so exciting. And, and everyone in the IT was talking about, oh yeah, this internet provider, they have this new optical cable is going to be much faster than the old, which we had was a satellite connection. So that was a big step for me as a, as a young yeah. <laughs> person. So what you were talking about, how the company, when you don't have anything to do, what you do is learn. Mm-hmm. That is very true. I was having that conversation yesterday because I've been seeing the private markets lose a lot of money on startups. So the, the most popular startups everybody talks about, and they're usually doing the most interesting things. Unicorns. Yeah. But when you're in the business and you see all these small projects getting funded that don't make sense, like if you go... Um, I forget the name of the the website, Crunchbase. Mm -hmm. I'm a paid subscriber on Crunchbase, so I get these aggregate reports of who got funding for what. And I look through them and I'm like, who's doing this? Like, who is spending their money on these projects that you can just tell aren't going to go anywhere from the beginning? And I'm curious to see what's going to happen if a market correction... I think a market correction is going to happen because we usually operate in seven-year cycles and Mm -hmm. we haven't had a big one in like 10 years right Mm -hmm. with the market and so historically we have one and so i'm interested to when the next one's going to be and here's why i believe the next market correction is going to breed the most amazing market that i'm going to see in my lifetime because these technologies adreno boards raspberry pis are so cheap everybody can access them with amazon the distributions there so when the market does crash and there's not a lot of money and everybody's going to be sitting around learning the amount of creativity that's going to come from you being poor, so you're just sitting around hacking an Adreno board for hundreds of hours a week, is and then the large companies with the capital to pick it up and bring it and distribute it to the market. And the distrib- we've never had distribution the way we've had it. 
Like right now, I, my wife literally got like she ordered vitamins on Amazon, clicked it, and it was at the house in like six same, hours. Yeah, same day. Yeah. Yeah. And once you get addicted to that, it's <laughs> yeah, you can't go back. Right. So I believe that this next market correction is going, and I don't, I don't know if it's in two months, two years, whenever it is, but historically it will always happen. So I believe that when it does happen, the creativity that's going to come out of that in AR, VR, all the different robotics, you see the dogs mm -hmm. running mm -hmm. from Boston Dynamics, is just going to be beautiful. Well, that's what happens every time. So every, every time. time when there's a problem, people get creative how to fix that, yeah. how to work around that. And that's just in human nature. That's how it works. Yeah, but this time I'm aware of it and I'm in the market in my 30s. So like I'm going to be able yeah. to benefit from it because I've seen it happen, happen. But like it happened when I'm like 10. It happens when I'm like 17, 18. And I'm like very excited for it to happen because on the right, it's going to be not great, right? Because And it's only not great because of our own decisions as a collection of people, but it's going to be not great for many people who don't manage finances correctly. Mm -hmm. But for the people who do and and understand how to execute on opportunity and bring value to the market, it's going to be very exciting. And so I'm, I'm actually a little bit looking forward to a market correction. <laughs> it's a little bit scary. Yeah. Uh, but it, I mean, companies that are, that have provide, that actually provide value are going to be fine. Yeah. So the only ones that are not going to be fine are those that are hoping to provide value in the future, but still don't. Right. So those are the most vulnerable ones. Yeah, but you're going to get a lot of great talent out of that. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Right. When they go down, then we hire their people. Yeah. <laughs> it really. So you get better talent at a less price and because of the recessed nature of the market. Mm -hmm. And then that allows you to grow and build a stronger organization. That's a positive way of thinking about a bad case scenario of yeah. market correction. Yes. Right. I try to find the positive in everything. I like slam my finger in the door and I'm like, maybe the doctor who fixes me is going to end up being my best friend. There you go. So just, <laughs> just don't slam your door yeah. because of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's psych psychotic, but <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I, I just, I try to find the positive. That doesn't mean I won't like scream. <laughs> I'm not excited about it. But when I, after I get over the human emotional part, I try to sit back and, and find the best. So are you, are you writing an, an article right now for Forbes? Like what's the next one coming out? Not right now. No. Uh, there will be one that's going to probably come out next month, next month, but I still need to decide on which one oh. because I try, usually try to publish new articles like every two or three months. Okay. So it's the time is going to come and I need to think about the new subject that's going to be interesting to, to the readers. Yeah. My first one I submitted, I don't know if it was, so I was new, I'm on the council now. So I submitted my first article and then after I started analyzing all the other articles that are out, I realized that my topic isn't relevant to current events mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that's what you got to do. Right. So my first one is like, okay, I went through the process. I understand it. It's coming out soon. I don't know the date, but it's coming out in the next couple of weeks, but it's about you know, three things to look for in the transition from technologist to leader mm -hmm. and so I just go over three items to focus on that'll help you in that transition because that's a lot of the questions I get from my audience and but then I realized all the ones that get really popular in LinkedIn and stuff are like what you did you did mm -hmm. a GDP you did a really good GDP because it was one. good timing good timing yeah. yeah timing is very important yeah. for, for any of the work yes yes so now my next one is going to be watching the market and then mm -hmm. seeing what the article that needs to be written is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Is there an app for that? Is there an the app market? for that? It's called the Joel app. <laughs> I open it up and I just do research. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like, what should I write about right now? What should I write about right now? So you have UI UX experience, but the team for UI UX, are they under you? Do you work with them or? Or that you have a head of UI UX? How does that work at your organization? So basically, um, I mean, everything related to technology software development is under me. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we create, when we decide to do something new, um, is it a new feature or a new product or something? I usually usually start with writing the business requirements. Why are we doing that? What's this supposed to do? Then writing out the user stories. How is the user going to interact with this? What's going to happen? And then basically coming up with a list of things that need to change or create in the new app. Then based on that, I create the UX. So then I create wireframes for, for this new feature or new product. And 
then that I give to the team in Bosnia where then they can um, check the UX if it's perfect, uh, make some advices, comments, and then create the design based on that. What's the primary language in Bosnia? Uh, that's a good question. There are three languages. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Bosnian, Croatian, and Serbian. All of them are 95% the same. 95% the same? Yeah. How close are you to Serbia? Uh, it's maybe three, four, three or four hours drive. Oh, really? We've yeah. got some friends in Serbia. Yeah. Adrian Jura from Epix Entertainment. He's over there. There you go. Yeah, they do a lot of the video games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you reach out to him. I'll, I'll send you an email connecting you because he's a really mm -hmm. cool guy. Yeah, one of my first companies that I owned was actually in Belgrade, Serbia. Capital really? Of Serbia, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, because of the talent, because at that time... That's what he says too. He says the talent's very affordable. Yeah. Yeah, at that time, the, the Belgrade was a, is still a big city and there was just more talent in Belgrade than in, in Bosnia. Now, Bosnia is also getting lots of talent, so now it's not a problem, but 15, 10, 20 years ago, it was. Yes. So you have a, you're the CTO, there is an amazing CEO, right? I mm -hmm. see her around town a lot. And then what is the, do you have a CFO? Yes, we do. Okay. Well. So what is your, one of the big questions I get a lot from CTOs is, say, we don't talk on the show enough about how the relationship looks like how much you communicate with the CEO the CFO is it a daily it is it quarterly like what's your relationship like as far as um, we get a lot about the frequency of communication how you do your planning just what does it look like from a high level so this also goes along with our open space so mm -hmm. we basically sit all at the same pod okay so we communicate daily okay um, but we also have regular weekly meetings so on these weekly meetings, we, we discuss priorities, we, we discuss timelines and roadmaps. So I suggest that at least weekly, definitely. And if there's a big project that's happening right now, then even daily. It, but it also depends on the CEO. Yeah. If the CEO wants to get involved in that much, it just depends. And where does she spend most of her time? You mean in geographically? Yeah, geographically. Sarasota. She's in the office most? Yeah, she's mostly in the office. Cool. She, of course, travels between the offices, and she's coming to visit Bosnia in in one or two months. That's great for morale, things like that, but they'll have a relationship with the studio, yes. too. Yes, so developers like seeing someone from U.S., um, especially Erin as a CEO, to, go, to translate the vision and to translate all of that uh, culture from the Hollywood as a... As, a, as it has in the, its headquarters. Yeah. And your English is fantastic. Like, it's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I've been watching YouTube videos on improving my accent, and I know there's a long way to go. But that's one of the podcasts I also listen in my car while commuting. Really? There's <laughs> yeah. a podcast? What is the podcast? Well, actually, so technically it's not a podcast. Uh -huh. It's a YouTube video that, just, that I just download. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, same concept. I actually, concept. I, paid... I just don't look at the video while driving. <laughs> <laughs> I just listen only. Yeah. Just for the record. I actually ended up, I, I was doing that quite a bit. So I ended up paying the monthly fee so that my lock screen could close because it was too frustrating. Yes. Yeah. yeah I pay for the Google Play Music, which gives me YouTube Red, which allows me to download and uh, watch YouTube without ads. So they're connected? Currently they are. Okay. And then... What do you have a like a Google Home or an Alexa? Probably a Google Home since you play for the Google service. Do you True. Have any of the smart Not in the car, but yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was thinking about that, how cool would that be to actually have a Google Home or Alexa in the car? They have the Alexa in the car now. Yeah. Yeah, they do. That would be great because sometimes I see myself like um, I use my phone to say, "Hey Google, write a note," and then say something, yeah. and then it uh, opens up Google Keep and puts a note for me yeah. so, because sometimes I get great ideas while driving the car me and too. I don't really have time to stop and <laughs> write it down. Right. And you want to live, right? Yes. Well, pretty soon we'll have the autonomous vehicles. So that'll be exciting. I'm looking forward to that day. My wife and I talk about frequently, we have our eight month old daughter. And so, you know, I say that on the show a lot, but like, <laughs> here's, oh, I don't have it. Um, but we have our eight month old daughter and we commonly discuss whether or not we will even buy her a vehicle or if it'll just be like a subscription service that mm. we pay for. How old is she? Uh, just under a year. 
Okay. So we've okay. got we've got you know what 16, 15 years I think it is until they drive. Yeah, yeah. by sixteen they can drive. And get to the so I wonder in sixteen years will we have the in, autonomous vehicles? Uh, you should definitely be able to buy them. Now I'm not sure if they're gonna be that all of the vehicles on the road will be self-driving. Right. Probably not. Um, but you'll definitely have the option to have them. And it also depends on what kind of aut autonomy are you looking for. Is it just enter the address and then it drives to the house That's on good the destination? That's good enough for me. That, I mean, Elon Musk says it's going to be possible. I'm kind of a skeptic. Really? Yeah. I think it'll be possible. Well, eventually, yes. Yeah. So what's where, where's the skepticism lie? If I said that that is going to be possible... In 10 years, do you say yes or no? In 10 years, we're definitely going to get very close to it. Okay. So I'm not sure that it's going to be able to get you to specific location, but maybe maybe just close to it. Yeah. Because I, I don't know, for example, will it be able, if you, if you are in gated community, will it know how to access your, um, your car to open the gates? Because there's that, for example. Yeah. And uh, will it know where to stop for so so for it, you you need to stop your car before on a specific location position before the gates so that the gates will open. So I don't think that the system will be able to recognize that. Really? Not soon. Not soon. I, I I'm gonna take the opposite approach just for fun. Because <laughs> I have you driven the Teslas with the Absolutely yes. Yeah. Yes. And you don't see so you don't have you seen the vision that, systems? That's that's so different. Because then you're in almost controlled environment. Yeah. You're on a highway. There are no intersections. And the car just basically lets you drive within the lanes. Yeah. So that's the easiest adaptation of that. Now, the problem is uh, when you go off the highway, when you need to make intersections. And what if the traffic light doesn't work? What then? Yeah. Um, what, what if it's, there's a snow and you can't see the clear markings on the road? So there's all these edge cases scenarios that I'm worried about. Yeah. Like so normally in perfect case scenario it's gonna work, but in these edge cases is it's a problem. And luckily there's a lot of investment in that area, so we're definitely speeding towards that goal. Now do you think that in the next ten years will AI like a simulated consciousness that's good enough to replicate a human? <laughs> Absolutely not. No? <laughs> no. You don't think 10 years? So by AI, it means artificial intelligence. Okay. So basically it means the same intelligence that we are, yeah. but artificial. Okay. So that also means self-conscious. Okay. So that's not going to happen anytime soon. No? No, because the technology that we currently possess with the, uh, the way that processors work, with the way that code is being written, I don't see that happening in my lifetime. In your lifetime? In my lifetime. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so if you, you were 80, you... I would believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're safe from the Terminator scenario. <laughs> okay. See, I, I like, I believe that we're, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I just see the technology. I guess I, I'm more, I just see it happening faster. Like, I really do. It really depends on... So this is the artificial intelligence. Now, you'll get closer to it, yeah. meaning the car will be able to drive, but the car is not smarter than you. It's never going to get smarter yeah. than you. It's just going to be able to recognize all the markings on the road, all the traffic lights, and get you to, the, to your destination. That is possible. Have you seen the Google making a phone call? Yes. What did you think of that? So the it's it sounds awesome. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking forward to actually see that when it's actually ready versus the demo. Uh, yeah, the because demo yeah. was a controlled environment, right. especially with that. Mm. <laughs> they just added that for. for I saw fun. the comma and I was like, I think they just replaced mms with commas. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really good for them to show as a marketing technique. Right. But even when it's ready, it's still like that. Thing that's talking to you it still goes by script so right. there's when you go look deep down in the code it just has a bunch of uh, decision making should I reply with this or should I say this it doesn't really understand what it's really talking about in the way in the same sense that we are yeah it just says some words well I've had some conversations with people that just say words 
<laughs> so, so I guess it's like, what grade of artificial intelligence are we talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because yeah. if you go read YouTube comments, I'm like, I know some AIs that are smarter than these people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so you've had a lot of success in business and then communicating that into what, what you've been able to do with ClickBooth. And then your advice to yourself 10 years ago, right? Because mm -hmm. you know where you were 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to yourself 10 years ago? Ah, that was interesting. I always ask myself, like, if I can travel back to time, what would I do differently? Right. And that's a way to learn, yes. like to learn on your mistakes because we all make some mistakes. Mm -hmm. Understanding business is really crucial. So on also, oh, the big one is growth. So I know that business is always concerned about growth. And as a tech people, we sometimes are fine with the system being just stable. Mm -hmm. But then we also need to remember that we can grow, we can use the resources that this, let's say that we have a main product. And this main product works awesomely. We developed all the features and now that product is stable, it provides revenue, and there's not, not much really to do on that specific product. So that's the, probably one of the mistakes I did. I was happy with the product as it is, and I didn't grow it because the product itself couldn't grow. But what I could do is create an ecosystem around it. So I could create multiple products that go with it and then use the resources that I have to build an entire ecosystem around. And I see other companies doing that. Amazon, Google, Apple, they all do that. They, they all create these ecosystems so to hold you into them. And that's definitely something that I was not doing 10 years ago. Right. Well, that's logical, too, because it's like you have two options. Well, you probably have three options. The first option would be to complicate your existing product so it's unusable. I see that option a lot. <laughs> yeah. Second option would be to build something nearby useful to the product mm -hmm. because you have a similar customer base and you can be relevant in the same space. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the third option is I'm human and I forget. <laughs> I don't I don't remember what the third option was. That's just me being a human. But I, I really like the awareness of I could complicate this mm -hmm. uh, or I could build something. Oh, the third option would be do nothing. Well, the, the danger of that is it's a very real danger because we get comfortable. Yeah. We get really comfortable. We do. And we love that. Yeah. Uh, so we, if you have a product that makes money and you work, work only four hours a day, then you say, okay, maybe that's, that's good enough. Yeah. Well, it actually, to keep you sharp, I think it's not good enough. You need to keep investing. You need to keep, well, not work 12 hours. I mean, invest your time within the normal reasonable limits of quali life quality, but still never stop thinking, never stop creating something new, never stop innovating. We're, we have to because we've got this process that runs in our brain called a pruning process. So we have like, you know, synapses that fire in our brain and they create these synapse change and they chains and they go deeper and build stronger mm -hmm. and what will happen is if we stop firing a certain section of those synapses a pruning process comes through and actually will remove them to make space for something new mm -hmm. it's life so if you don't use it you lose it exactly and that's one of the things that i this morning i was, I was driving to the gym and i thought to myself i imagined like a, a hard drive pie right right like the mm -hmm. capacity of a hard drive I imagined at one point in my life, I was 99.9% .9 full of just programming knowledge. Mm. So I didn't have any skill knowledge of human interaction. Didn't have any knowledge of psychology or soft skills, or I didn't have any knowledge of business. I was a like 99% full, 100% full of just programming knowledge, and I was very good at it. And then as I, I realized that I was limited in my growth, being because completely full because of it, I couldn't progress, and I had achieved mastery of the programming. So I started slowly expanding it and taking chunks of that pie away and learning about how business works and how people mm -hmm, work and how mm -hmm. business and people go together. So you have to know more about that. And gradually I started to watch my programming knowledge shrink, right? It's going from a hundred to like 50%. Yeah, but it's just a percentage shrink. Hopefully you didn't forget too many things. Correct. Well, then it became important for me to understand how the memories can work together. 
So I need to retain the higher level concepts mm -hmm. of the programming and make better use, be more efficient with that 50% of programming space than I was with 100, knowing maybe multiple frameworks, right? Or knowing multiple languages that were completely in different ecosystems. Like mm -hmm. why know complete PHP and complete Ruby when all the tools you know, live separate. in their own worlds, just know Ruby, drop PHP and replace that whole concept with knowledge of how people in business work. Yeah. yeah. That's what was going through my head this morning. Yeah. And as a, someone in a CTO role, you need to have that big vision of not just one side, but you need to understand, as you said, both people and business and technology. So you're, you have leaders. You have how many engineers do you work with? Uh, we have currently, we have over 20. Okay, so you have over 20. And then your job as leading them in the next year, do you think you're going to be at 25 or 30 or are you actively growing in engineering or are you? Currently we are slowly growing. You're slowly growing. We're always looking for the talent. Yeah. We are from both high level talent, meaning someone that has lots of experience, mm -hmm. but we also have lots of, ex lots of success in hiring interns and then training them and then keeping them on. Right. So every few months we would hire a group of interns four or five of them, and then train them for a few months, and then offer the full-time role to the best of them. Awesome. And that was really good because we can train them from the beginning. They don't have experience, but they usually come from colleges, very smart, mm -hmm. very and lots of knowledge, but just lacking experience. Right. We provide that, we push them in the direction that benefits us and them in their career, and it works great. And then how do you identify who's ready to lead so you have these 20 people i'm assuming they kind of group and pool into these teams where mm -hmm. you have leaders for effective communication so how i'm assuming you've worked with them for a while you sound like you're a great leader so i'm assuming you have a very sticky team yes yeah yes right so how did you identify those leaders and how did you raise them up into their leadership positions at your company so i believe that leaders identify themselves okay so they will just step up. They are the ones that always show up, always step up, always have ideas. So you don't have to make someone, hey, you are a team leader right. to lead. Okay. They can lead without that. And then the only thing you need to know is to recognize that. So you would recognize that someone has a desire to lead. Uh -huh. And then you can give, the, give him a little bit more responsibility and see how that person reacts to that. And then give you more. Very cool. Then how do you resource and coach them through the challenges of being an early leader versus becoming an experienced leader? Just meet with them regularly, talk with them, ask them what, what they're facing? Usually that's not regularly, no. but on day-to-day -day basis we go through, especially in the beginning, yeah. we go through these issues and we see, I, I usually try to go with the coaching okay. position. So how would you do, why would you do that? and try to push them in the direction without actually telling them that they need to go in that direction. Yeah. I just like them to realize in the same way that I realize it, that that direction is the best for both them and the company. So do you suggest like books to them or anything like that? Not really. No, no, no I don't really suggest books, although that would be a good example. Yeah. But some of them don't really like to read and, yeah. I, and I don't really want to check them on like, have you read that? Yeah. Uh, it's mostly about the mindset. Okay. So being leader is about the biggest thing about is the mindset, and just working with them on day to day basis helps grow that part of their mindset. Very cool. What time are you leaving today for Bosnia? <laughs> so let's see. Uh, leaving in three hours. Three hours. Have you packed? Ninety percent. Ninety. The toothbrush and stuff isn't in the case yet. Yeah, correct. Yeah. But the clothes are. You know that you're bringing clothes. The clothes are. Yeah. Uh, bags are there. I just need to put the cosmetics in. Get yeah. my laptop in. That goes in the last. Yeah. Uh, the course. electronics. <laughs> well, the laptop. Does it even go in, or do you take it with you on the? How, what's the flight like? How long is that? There are two flights. One is ten hour. The oh. other is two hours. I would like to send you love right now <laughs> for what you're about to go through. Uh, on the 10-hour flight, usually there's internet. Yeah. So that's going to help with some of that. 
and my laptop is in my backpack and also together with my tablet and my yeah. <laughs> my phone and my no- and noise canceling pods yeah that extra battery pods there are there's power supply be- below the seats very cool so they have that they have wi-fi so very good planes you have a good layover like you have a stop between the two flights for a while yeah but only for 90 minutes 90 minutes yeah so That's, you're gonna be in a plane for like 20 hours straight <laughs> Yeah, and so hopefully our plane is not, the first one is not going to be late. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to get late to the second one. Right. But usually, as long as it's more than 60 minutes, I can make it. That's exciting. Yeah. How many people are you traveling with? Uh, four, just my four. family, two, yeah. two, two kids and a wife. What are, how old are your kids? Uh, eight and ten. Eight and ten? Yeah. Or are they boys, girls? Uh, old one, older one is a boy and the other one is a girl. Nice. You got a nice mix. Mm-hmm. At least they're not infants. That'd be very difficult. Twenty hours with small child, children. <laughs> so the first time we traveled with them, this is probably third. Yeah, this is the third year that we have been traveling all together. But I was very worried about traveling with smaller kids, but it actually went awesome. Yeah. Because they love the screen in the front of their seat. They can watch all the movies they desire. Yeah. They have uh, juice that comes regularly. They have snacks. They have food. So other than being in a small seat, which is actually bigger to them than it is for us, it's actually awesome. That's so great. We just did a trip up to the mountains um, like a weekend or two ago, and it was our first, you know, well, my first trip with the baby. And she, we drove up through the night. It was like eight or ten hours. She mm-hmm. slept the entire She woke up like ten minutes before we got <laughs> to the cabin. It was wonderful. That was awesome. Yeah. On the way back, we did it during the day, and she made it like into the last hour and then woke up. So... I was very pleased with how it was traveling the first time with my eight months old. So, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And when we drive in car for a few hours. Yeah. So lately I started uh, listening podcasts for kids. Podcasts for kids. Yeah. It Finding works awesome. Nemo. <laughs> yeah. But really just podcasts about, for example, how does space work? How, what happens with, what's gravity? How does that work? What? So, what's yes. the name of that podcast? Do you remember? Um, I can give you a link. Yeah, next time know. it comes pops into your head, you know, screenshot it to me or something because that is really cool. Yeah, it, it's it's very interesting for them, for kids, and it's somewhat interesting for us adults. Yeah. So it makes you it usually keeps them quiet. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and hanging out. This has been Absolutely. awesome to have an in person podcast. This is yeah. awesome, and I love love your podcast, and I really appreciate the chance to being there. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.